Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. Once on a Sabbath day, Jesus was passing through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick heads of grain as they walked along. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath day? He replied to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and his companions? He entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except for the priests. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Your fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. If you pay attention to politics at all, and by the way, I don't recommend doing so these days if you want to live a long and happy life, but if you do, you realize that in the end, if you, if you boil it all down, if you get rid of all the rhetoric and the circus that, goes, that surrounds politics, what it's all about is a, a great debate over the law. Elected leaders, legislators debate what laws should be enacted and written and enforced, whether laws are fair or unfair. That's, that's what government does, both locally and at the state level and at the federal level. It's a great debate over the law. That's not the only place a great debate over the law takes place, so there's another even greater debate over the law that takes place right here and right here in you and me and really in all people. You know how that debate goes, right? What is God's command for me in this situation? What is his law? Did I, did I keep his law or did I break his law? Can I get away with not keeping this commandment right now? Uh, why do I feel so guilty? Do I have to feel guilty? How do I get rid of this guilty feeling I have from breaking the commands of God? I know that debate. You know that debate. Jesus is here today to end the debate. Last week, in the verses previous to our text this morning, the Pharisees got all over Jesus' disciples for not doing something, for not fasting. This week, they get all over his disciples for doing something that they said was unlawful for picking heads of grain on the Sabbath day. They thought they had Jesus nailed dead to rights that Jesus had supervised and really authorized his disciples to break the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Were they right? Well, not according to God's law, what God had commanded in the Old Testament. You know, you might think at first reading, well, they're stealing. This isn't their field. They can't just take anyone's crops. But in fact, God had made an allowance for this. It was kind of a humanitarian thing. Remember back to the time of Ruth, when she was poor and in need? The Lord had commanded rich landowners like Boaz to leave some of their crops in the field, not to take every last head of grain for, for the poor people. And so this was allowed under the law. 
Well, did it break the, the Sabbath day? Were they technically working when they should have been resting? Well, God made allowances on the Sabbath day for, for things that were humanly necessary, necessary for life. And one of those things is eating. So God made allowances for this. If, if the disciples were guilty of violating anything, it was one of the additional 39 mandates or regulations that the Pharisees, the rabbis, had developed to kind of surround and insulate the Sabbath day. You see, in their minds, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy was just too vague. And so they established 39 things which they defined as work, which you definitely could not do on the Sabbath day, according to them. It, it ranged from plowing to watering your fields to um, conducting any type of business. One of the stranger ones I found was you're not even supposed to put a fire out. Now the, the only exception was if a human life was at risk. That's the only time you could, you could put a fire out or, or travel beyond so many steps on the Sabbath day. So if the disciples are guilty of anything, it was breaking their man-made regulations. It shouldn't have mattered. But the Pharisees came at Jesus with the law, and so what does Jesus do? He hits them right between the eyes with an even higher law. He uses the example of David and Abiathar. And the point of that was, Jesus is laying them as parallels. If, if God did not condemn David for eating the, the bread of the presence, it would have been the holy bread in the, in the holy place in the tabernacle in the temple. Um, if God didn't condemn David for eating that bread, which according to God's own law, only the priest could eat, do you think God's going to condemn the disciples? For, for grabbing a handful of grain? I mean, I, I guess in modern day terms, it would be like going to the cupboard, cupboard and grabbing out a, a bag of chips. I mean, do you consider that work? That's all they were doing. It, it, it was just a little snack. It wasn't a full meal. Really, the main point Jesus is making is there's a higher law at stake here than, than keeping your nitpicky regulations of what you can and can't do on the Sabbath day. And that was God's law of love, law of mercy. In the parallel account in Matthew, Jesus makes this point very clearly. He says, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. When it comes down to either obeying a ritual that even God has given or, or the good of a human, God will take the good of a human every single time. So he drills them. They try to come at him with the law. He drills them right between the eyes with an even higher law, the law to love your neighbor as yourself. Did you feel that way? Did you feel like you were drilled between the eyes when we read this account? I'm guessing not. This is about Sabbath days and grabbing heads of grain from a field and the bread of the presence, things that we don't have anymore, things that are relics of the Old Testament, things that Paul in our, our, our lesson from Colossians said, we don't have to do those things anymore. Unless it is you're planning on, I don't know, walking through somebody's garden today and, and picking out some tomatoes or something. But otherwise, none of this really applies to us, does it? Except for that one line. Jesus turns to the Pharisees and says, Have you never read what David did? And the way he says it in the Greek, and our English reflects that pretty well, is he was expecting a yes answer. 
He was fully expecting that the Pharisees would say, yeah, we've, we've read that account, we know it well. The question today is, have you? Do you know where in the Old Testament this account of David and Abiathar is from? Have you read it? Have you read the Old Testament? Have you read your whole Bible? Now, Jesus says, have you never read? He's expecting you to answer, yes, I've read that. I have digested that. I understand that. I believe that. Have you? Have you read it? Over 70% of the words that God wants us to know are in the Old Testament. And sadly, many, many Christians have never read the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. Have you? That's what it feels like when the law hits you right between the eyes. It doesn't leave any wiggle room. It's not like the Pharisees' mandates where they're just pulling things out of thin air and making them up and calling them work. When, when God's law is applied as he intends it to, it doesn't leave any wiggle room. It doesn't leave any room for excuses. You can't say, well, I know my Bible better than that person over there. God, does, God doesn't care. The law doesn't leave you to wiggle that way. It doesn't matter what somebody else knows about the Bible. The question is, have you read your Bible? Do you know it? Have you digested it? That's what the third commandment really is, is aiming at. The heart of it is God wants you to be in his word day and night meditating on it. Have you done that? It's painful to, to really think about it, right? Because we call ourselves Christians, and yet when we have to answer the question, have you read your Bible so many times that you actually know it? Have you ever read 1 Samuel 21? That's where this account of David, David and Abiathar is from. You know what it feels like, right? It's a kick in the butt. It doesn't leave any wiggle room. It kills you. But we try to, we try to kind of justify ourselves, right? We, we try to find some wiggle room to maybe debate our way around it, right? Um, maybe we'll say, here's what I'll do. I, I'll, I'll read a five-minute devotion every day. That will be my time spent in God's Word if that's what he commands in the third commandment. Or, or, or maybe you'll even commit. After today, you'll commit, I'm going to read the Old Testament. Or, or maybe these days, you know, it's very easy to, to find um, the Old Testament, the whole Bible on your phone, and you can listen to it on your way to and from work, or you can listen to podcasts that are about the Bible. And maybe in those ways, we seek to, to you know, kind of establish our own set of laws, our own, our own regulations that help us to do what we think God wants us to do. But in reality, we're not doing anything different than the, than the Pharisees are doing. Because when you do that, when you say, I'm going to commit to five-minute devotion every day, I might even read my Old Testament this year, I, I, uh, I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to the Bible as I'm driving to and from work. That's not really the heart of the law, is it? The heart of the law, the spirit of the law, is that you should cherish the Word of God, meditate on it day and night. But we, we know we can't do that. So we, we kind of lower it to our level, to things we can do. And it sounds good. It sounds like it's doable. 
The problem is, even if you commit to reading your Old Testament over the course of the next few months, how will you know when you're done? Right? What if your mind starts to wander as you're reading through the long list of names that you can't pronounce there in the Old Testament? Does that count? Are you really meditating on the Word of God when you're, you're not really reading it? You're just skimming pages of it? What about when your mind wanders from Abraham, Isaac, and David to what's happening in your life yesterday and today and tomorrow? What happens, and this has happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to you, what happens if you're reading your Bible or you're reading your devotion and you fall asleep? Is God going to be pleased with that? What happens if you're just reading the words and after 10 minutes you, you think about it, I have no idea what I just read. Has that ever happened to you? Is, God, is that what God intended with the third commandment to gladly hear and learn his word? That it just goes in your eyes and, and out to the back of your head. Is that, really, is that really obeying the third commandment? Is that what God intended? You see, even when we set up our own set of regulations around the third commandment, a five-minute devotion, I'm going to read my Old Testament this year. I'm going to listen to it on, on, on my phone or on Audible. We can't even do that. So minimizing the law to make it more doable for us, even that doesn't work, and that's what Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees. I'll use a, a more modern-day illustration to show that minimizing things that seem impossible for us just doesn't work. We know all about more than we would like to know about the, the mask mandate that's recently been lifted, right? You know all about that. You know all about the fact that the mandate said to wear a mask. And there were also additional layers on top of that mandate that it was to be a, a two-layered cloth mask that no light could get through. I think that was the test that they gave. But then it they started to pile more and more on, right? Two masks is better than one, and three masks is better than two. And then if you can, the gold standard was throw on an N95 mask and put a cloth mask over that one and maybe a face shield in front of that. And, and they kept piling up and piling up and piling up the rules and the regulations. And it was impossible, right? Because the other criteria was you can't, touch your mask. You can't itch your face. You can't uh, remove it to take a drink. Because if you do that, you're contaminating your mask. And, and, and the whole point of it is lost. So what did we do? Well, we lowered the bar. We said, well, I'll wear my mask, but I'm just going to wear it underneath my nose. Or we, we found a way to either sew a mask or buy a mask that was breathable, which utterly defeats the purpose of wearing a mask. Or we said to ourselves, well, I'll, I'll wear a mask when, when somebody's watching, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of it every time I need to take a drink or eat something or even breathe. And, and we defeated the purpose, right? Because the mandate, as stated, was impossible to keep. The, the mandate to wear something uh, of a cloth and in a manner that, that made it 100% safe for us to be in the same breathing space with each other was impossible. You can't do that. That was impossible for us to keep. So we lowered the bar to a level that we could keep. And in doing so, we broke the mandate, right? We all did that. Don't deny it. We all did that. 
But that just doesn't work. And, and while lowering the bar on a mask mandate doesn't affect where you're going to spend your eternity, lowering the bar on God's law does. Lowering the bar on what God tells us to do defeats the purpose of his law. That's what the Pharisees had done. They had set up all these things that they thought they could do. Well, it's easy enough for me not to plow on the Sabbath day. I don't need to, to conduct any business on the Sabbath day. I can watch how many steps I walk on the Sabbath day. I won't even put out any fires on the Sabbath day. But when it came to the heart of the Sabbath day, to meditate deeply on God's word, they didn't get it, they didn't understand it, and they knew they couldn't do it to God's satisfaction. And so they set up these other rules. And I think that's kind of counterintuitive, right? You would think, well, the more rules there are, the more guilt I should feel, the more times I break it. But here's what we do when we establish our own rules. We write them in a way that they, they match what we're already comfortable doing. For example, I believe the official uh, speed limit on the Beltline is 55 miles per hour, right? What's the unofficial speed limit on the Beltline for you? 57, 59, 60, 65, right? So we, we've put a layer of rules on top of what the actual law is, one that we are comfortable keeping. It doesn't work, though. The, uh, the police officer is not going to accept you telling him, Sir, I am comfortable driving 59 or 61 miles an hour. What's the point of all this? What's, what's Jesus getting at with telling the, the Pharisees, listen, God is not pleased with you keeping all of these additional rules that, that you've set up. He's not pleased with us if we try to finagle our way out of the third commandment by, by setting up our own study methods or, or Bible devotion methods. He's not, that's not satisfying to God. So what's the point? The point is that God didn't give us a law for that reason. God didn't give us the law so we could find a way how to, to, how to climb it into heaven. He didn't give us the law so that we could justify ourselves. This is why Paul says God gave us the law. In Romans chapter 7, he says, Apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive without the law, but when this commandment came, sin came to life and I died. This commandment that was intended to result in life actually resulted in death for me. You see, Sin seizing the opportunity provided by this commandment deceived me and put me to death through it. The purpose, the ultimate, the most important purpose of the law is not to give you a, a chance at life, but to put you to death. To give you no wiggle room, no opportunity, no excuses, no self-justifications, no way you can stand before God and say, God, I've done it. Earlier in Romans, Paul says, this is the purpose of the law. No one will be declared righteous in his sight by works of the law, for through the law we become aware of sin. Showing you how sinful you are, how dead you are in the eyes of God because of your disobedience, that is the ultimate purpose of the law, to put you to death. And when you're dead, you can't debate anymore, can you? So that's, the, that's one answer to how... how Jesus ends the debate that goes on in our head regarding the law, but I don't know about you, I don't really like that answer. I don't like that, that the debate is ended because I'm dead and damned under the law. So what's, what's the other answer? Well, what's the answer 
to death, but resurrection. And that, that's the point that God wants us to bring us to, that we recognize we are dead in our sins so that he can raise us to life. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, God, because he is rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. The answer to the impossible demands of God's law is God. Specifically, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who calls himself here the Lord of the Sabbath. That means he wrote the rules of the Sabbath. You've got to go right to the top. I guess today, for comparison's sake, it would be like, if you understood over the past year, I just, I cannot do this, this mask thing. I can't do it the way they want me to do it. I suppose your only option then would be to go to uh, Dr. Fauci or go to Janelle Heinrich here in Madison and say, I can't do it. Can you help me out? And I don't think they would help you out very much. But, but when it comes to our life under God, the, the point is we should go to him. We should go to Christ. We should go to the Lord of the Sabbath. And you know what wonderful news he has when you do? When you realize you don't know your Bible as well as you should, that you don't read it every day like you should, that you don't have it memorized like you should. Jesus says the Sabbath was not, or the man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. The third commandment is for your good, not, not for God's good. There's that, that, that nugget of gospel within the outer wrapping of the third commandment. Why should we remember the Sabbath day? Why should we take time out of our days and our weeks to hear the Word of God, to read the Word of God on our own? For our good. So that we can find rest. So that we can find peace. You know, we can't keep the law. And, and every day we're reminded of that fact as that debate rages on in our heads that says you haven't done it or maybe you've done it partially, but why do you still feel so guilty that's when we need to come to the Lord and hear him say, it is finished. For you, I have kept the law for you. That's the intention of the third commandment, the Sabbath day, both in the Old Testament and the New. Well, Paul talks about what the purpose of the, the Old Testament Sabbath was in our, our, first, our second lesson from Colossians. He said, these, and that's... The, that's all the rules regarding food and drink in the Old Testament. They're a sab they are a shadow of the things that were coming, but the body belongs to Christ. It's a shadow. A shadow is a, something that indicates what's coming, right? If, you, if you're looking on the ground and you see a shadow of a, a bird or an airplane, then you, you look up at that bird or that airplane. Once, once the thing has come, the object has come, you don't look at the shadow anymore. You dismiss it. And that's what happened when Christ came. Christ obeyed the third commandment perfectly so that we are not bound by it anymore. We don't have to rest one day a week like God's Old Testament people. But we do have Christ. You see, resting their bodies was intended to point the Israelites ahead to the rest that Christ would bring for their souls. And that's what you have. That's why we continue to gather every week even though we don't have to, to be reminded that in Christ we have forgiveness, we have peace, we have finally rest. And all the work that we could never get done in our lives, all the obeying that we could never do, we have rest 
in Christ. It's finished. He finished it on the cross. It meant death for him, the law did, just like it did for us. But his death gives us life. And so we come here. We come here faithfully. We come here eagerly. Even you parents come here, even though I know it's a lot of work for you, you come here to find that rest too. Because only underneath the arms of Christ outstretched on that cross can we find shelter from God's righteous wrath over our sins. Only in the water that was poured over our heads at that baptismal font do we remember that we don't live under the law anymore. We are children of grace. Only here can we hear God's servants speak our verdict of not guilty, which is the only thing that can calm our guilty consciences. Only here can we come and receive the body and blood of Christ, which assures us that the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord of the law, the Lord of all laws, He's on our side. And He tells us that we're forgiven. There are far too many legal debates going on in our world, and I'm not just talking about in politics, but even in our own heads. You know that debate, right? Am I right with God? And according to the law, you're not. You're dead. You're dead in sin. You can't please Him, no matter how hard you try. But the Lord of the Sabbath has a better word for us. He has the Gospel. He says, I died to give you life. So open up your Bible. Take a few minutes every day. Come here every week. This is where you find true rest for your soul. And there's no debate about that. Amen.